Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be here with you here today. Just, it's so awesome to be able to celebrate Jesus with people in our gatherings here today. So my name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church, and we want to welcome those of you that are with us in person, as well as those that are joining us online. Again, God is great, and he wants to do great things in your life. As I was preparing for this Sunday, I felt the Holy Spirit uh, drop something into my spirit that I want to release to you today. And it was this, this is before my, my main message here today, but I felt like the Lord was saying to us that God wants to, us to claim release and breakthrough in our lives. And I believe this, that God's design and desire is right now he wants to break wrong mindsets, renounce thoughts that are not God's thoughts. And I believe there are people because of uh, some of the isolation that you face, some of the things that you've experienced over this last season, that, that there's some thoughts that the enemy has put on you that are not God's thoughts. And uh, there are places where we at times have come into agreement with the enemy, and we're, it's time for us to come into agreement with God. And God has good things in store for you. So I'm believing today that God wants to just give us that ability to be aware. In fact, right now, Father, I just pray that you'd give people an awareness of those places where the enemy has come and put lies into people's minds about their value, their worth, who they are in Christ. And God, today we want to renounce those things and we say, Father, we accept who we are called to be, who you've designed us to be. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You have given us a a future and a hope. Father, there's so many things that you have for your people today. And Lord, I just declare this by the power and the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I don't know why, but I believe somebody needed to hear that today. And this is for you. And maybe this is what you came here to receive today. God bless you. As we've already heard today, just a couple quick uh, 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 reminders of some things. Uh, uh, Naomi shared that we are excited about this summer. There's a couple things that are going on. First of all, our stampede breakfast. We're going to be having that again after two years of not being able to do it. Who here is excited to be able to have a stampede breakfast? Hallelujah. Well, our big change is that we are going to be having a service first from 9.30 to 10.30. It'll be just an hour. Uh, But then we're going to have the breakfast because we really want to, um, we're going to invite the community not only to come to our breakfast, but to come to church um, because we believe God wants to touch their lives. And so uh, as we're going through our series here called Walk Across the Room about just reaching people for Jesus, I want to encourage you that you would uh, think about who you could invite to be a part of that great day. And I believe God is going to touch their life. Um, But after that Sunday is something we haven't done for a very, very long time. I know we sent out a survey. Some of you saw it. We asked last week. Um, We've decided that for the summer after Stampede, for the next eight weeks, we're going to have just one service on Sunday mornings. And it's going to be at 10 a.m. And uh, the reason we're going to do that is we believe that some of our volunteers who have worked very, very hard over the last three years of COVID, we've had a smaller team that's had to do more work. Uh, They need some rest. Who here believes that rest is a good thing? You know who's clapping? All the volunteers are clapping right now. Um, As well, it gives us a chance to come together, to see each other, to see our whole church family for uh, a season here, to 
be able just to enjoy each other's company and fellowship. And so I'm excited about this. And then after the long weekend in September, we will go back to uh, offering two services as people come back from summer breaks and vacations and we jump into school. Uh, We're going to go back to that because we believe God's going to continue to grow our church. Our church is actually growing in the midst of all of these things. I know you may not see it here, but we are connecting with more and more people all of the time. As well, on June 26th, uh, it wasn't announced here, and I need to announce it. We're going to have our annual general business meeting for the church. It's going to be through Zoom. It's going to be online. If you are a member of the church, you'll be sent an email with a link for that. If you're interested in participating in that, um, come and see us. We will give you that information and make sure that you're able to be a part of it. Woo, a lot of stuff here today. I, I, I just, it's time to dive into what God has put in my heart to share. And who here's excited that it's finally starting to feel like summer? Yeah. I mean, what about summer is that, it's, it's that place where we get to get outside. And I feel like for the last few weeks, we've finally been able to go outside without fear of a snowstorm. Um, you know, it's where we get to work in our yard or our garden Um, Except I want to say this, that next week, it's for Father's Day, that hopefully you guys are exempt from having to do yard work. I've just got your back here, dads, here for a minute. Um, But (laughs) it's also time where we get to go outside and have walks or hikes, exploring our neighborhoods or maybe some mountain trails. It's where we get to do activities that we, throughout the year, maybe don't get to do as much for those who are into golfing or just that you just like doing outdoor stuff. And I believe this, it's spending time doing activities that help us feel better and become more healthy. Because here's what I believe, a healthy life comes from healthy activities. Would you agree with that? You do healthy things, you're going to be healthy in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. And growing healthy in our faith is not any different. A healthy faith requires a mix of healthy faith-building activities. And if you ignore or miss essential faith activities, you will not grow and mature property. I believe this, the key, there are keys to growing and maturing in our faith. Now, some people might have some other things, but I believe there are four, what I call essential parts of this. And it's going to lead into the, the deeper part of my message today, that if you are doing these things and they are in balance in your life, you are going to grow and become healthier in your relationship with God. The first thing is growing your prayer life. We talk about this. We're a church that believes in prayer. I believe that one of the essential things for every follower of Jesus to have in their life is spending time talking and listening to God. See, here's the reality. The more time that you spend with Jesus, the more you'll become like Jesus. You see, it sensitizes us to do something else that is incredibly important. And I believe we need more people that can do this. And this is for everyone, that we're able to hear the voice of God. My greatest desire as a pastor is for every single person that God gives me the privilege to be a leader in your life is to help you learn how to hear God's voice for yourself. We need to hear God's voice. It's essential. It's a top priority. Here's the second thing. I know this is going to be a shocker and a surprise that we read our Bible, that we know our Bible. The word of God is life and it's truth. And so the more that we read it, it changes us or reads us. We need to read it, study it, memorize it. 
You know, right now in our kids' ministry, they've been working on memorizing how to look up things in the Bible, how to find scriptures in the Bible. We need to meditate on it. And here's the most important part. Actually do what it says. <laughs> we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Now, here's the third part, and a lot of us enjoy this probably the most, it comes the easiest, is spend time with godly people. Build relationships with people that, have, that are people of faith. Hanging out with Jesus' followers is essential for our growth. And I know for myself, I'm a little bit more of an introvert by nature. Sometimes I can be one of those people that likes to just kind of hang out and do things by myself. But we need one another. We need to build relationship with other people. We were created for relationship because it's what God designed us to do. But here's the one that we're going to put our time and our energy into for the next few weeks, and it's this. I believe that the, the, the fourth essential ingredient for growth and maturing of your faith is learning how to share your faith with other people. Share with people what God has done or is doing in your life. It's learning how to talk to, about God naturally and, and to, to, to share his goodness daily. I believe this is something that all of us need to do, but it's not something that we always feel like we can do or we don't know maybe sometimes how to do it. And as we jump back into our series, which <clears throat> Pastor Naomi did such a great job of leading off with last week about just talking about how we overcomplicate things. We're talking about our, our series is called Walk Across the Room. We're going to begin today by hearing from our, our key scripture, our theme verse for the series that Paul wrote, to, uh, uh, wrote about in the New Testament. And it's in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. And here's what it says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. But here's what he goes on to say. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You see, every one of us, I believe, is here today that has a relationship with Jesus is because somebody told us about him. Somebody shared something with us. They talked about us. They directed us to the word of God. Whatever it is, there was a moment in your life where somebody said, look, I want to introduce you to the person who changed my life. You see, I believe this, that God's desire is for all people on the earth to know him and believe in him. But for people to know him, he needs people who will talk about him. And I believe this is one of the challenges that is a great struggle for most Jesus followers is to share their faith consistently. You see, when I, even when I begin to talk about this, some of you might be, your heart rate might be just going up a little bit. Oh no, here's one of those messages on evangelism or, or sharing our faith and our palms can get a little bit sweaty. We can be, begin to feel a little bit nervous or uncomfortable. Why? We don't want to look silly. You know, we've been in groups of people and sometimes you're like, I don't want, I don't want to be that person that, that sounds silly or maybe we don't want to be preachy or, or where we come across as, as this and so we can feel inadequate or ill-prepared. And the challenge is, as we learned last week, is we tend to overcomplicate what God has called us to do. So I want you right now just to take a deep breath, relax, you got this. God's going to help us and it's a lot simpler 
than you realize it is. You see, the goal of this series is to help you gain confidence in speaking about Jesus, to deconstruct some myths or issues that that hinder us from sharing. And the result is this, and here's what my prayer for each one of us is, is that as you learn to step into what God has called you to do and called you to be, you'll experience greater freedom in your life and real joy that will just flow out of you. I think some people need joy in their life. I think we need more joy in our life. So what are a few of the myths that we have about why maybe we sometimes don't share? Well, myth number one, we may believe only super spiritual people like pastors and missionaries are qualified to share their faith. You know, sometimes we look at, wow, I have people all the time tell me, Pastor Todd, you just are, you have this amazing knowledge and this thing about God and you're, you, it's this, it's this, woo, there's an aura or a gift. And I'm like, really? Because I don't know about you, but I get, I get nervous sometimes. Just, I get nervous when God begins to say to me, hey, go over and pray for that person. Or, hey, why don't you share a word of encouragement? I, I feel all of those pressures too. Because here's the truth. Sharing our faith is for everybody. It's not just for special people. And it's not difficult once we understand a few basic principles like just being ourselves, being who God created us to be. Myth number two is sharing my faith requires great study and training. I'm going to say this, some study and training will definitely be helpful. I don't think you can ever go wrong with learning more about the word of God or, or, or understanding different things. But here's the real key. Taking an interest in people and building relationships with them is always the most effective way of seeing God transform somebody's life. Myth number three, the only way to share my faith is to be confrontational or preachy. Here's what I want you to understand. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit's leading us, Speaking the truth can be confrontational. You know, you talk to people about things, they're going to go like, well, I don't always like that. Well, that's too bad. But most times, loving people and sharing about the goodness and greatness of God is what opens their hearts. You see, the reality is we all have, can share our faith. Why? Because we all have something that God has given us to share with people. I believe that. And somebody needs to hear from you today. There's somebody that you're going to come in contact with today that if you have an awareness and you're, you're, you see what's going on around you, they need to hear what God, what, who Jesus is or what God is doing in your life. But here's the question, how will they know unless we tell them? So where do we start? What's the beginning? I believe the foundation, and we cannot move past this if we're going to be people that have an impact on the world around us, the foundation starts with this simple truth. It starts with having a love for people. You've got to love people. If you do not love people, you will never reach people. And I say this today knowing that all around me are people that sometimes are hard to love. There are people that challenge us. There are people that we, 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 you know, especially in this day, in this hour, you know, the things that are going on in our world that have people that have different views and opinions and thoughts, you know, sometimes they're not easy to kind of go, how do I love them? But I'm telling you, you will never make a difference until we're motivated with, with a heart that has a love for people. It's a simple but powerful foundation that reveals 
our faith in God to other people. They will know we are his followers or we are Christians by what? By our love. Our love for each other. Our love for people. You see, evangelism or that big word or sharing our faith does not require that we have great Bible knowledge or that we, for us to travel to unknown lands around the world, but it is essential that we, are, that we have the love of Jesus inside of us and that we have his love. Because sometimes I know my love just doesn't go far enough, but his love is endless. And sometimes it's as simple as just walking across the room, being aware of where people are at, knowing that maybe God could use you to bring a word of encouragement. In the book of Luke, Jesus has an exchange with a religious leader, a lawyer, that will be foundational about our message today, about understanding how love is so crucial. Luke chapter 10, it says this in verse 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty serious question. And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Jesus answers and says, really, what he's saying? What does the Bible say? Let's go to the Bible. I think that's always a good place to go. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. You see, this expert in religious law is asking Jesus a legitimate question, maybe not with legitimate intentions. We see as we read on in the scripture that he was trying to trick him like most of the religious leaders were at that time. But he asked him what I would say is a legitimate question. How do I inherit an eternal life? Can I break this down to you just a little bit more for today? Because sometimes we think about eternal life. It is about heaven. It's about we're spending eternity having a relationship with God. But I think it goes even a little deeper this. How do I experience life here on earth? Where do I find life? Where, where do I get life from? And Jesus responds to him, what does the Bible say? And if you strip the Bible down to one principle, what he's asking him, what is the whole purpose of the word of God? Where does it come down to? And so here's what the man says. He says, first of all, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. No, soul, mind, and strength are part of that. To me, that is all-inclusive. But just as important, he says, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Here's what I believe. You cannot truly say that you love God unless you fully love your neighbor. See, they're interconnected. And you cannot fully love your neighbor unless you love God with everything inside of you. You see, it's not either or, but it's both and. They're essential. They're incredibly essential to pleasing God. Loving God, loving people. That's what God has called us to do. But then the man goes on to ask what I think is a clever and important question. And he thinks he's going to trip Jesus up with this. He says to him, well, then who is my neighbor? You know what he's really asking? And I think sometimes if we're really honest with ourselves, we 
ask the same thing. God, who am I required to love? <laughs> like, what do I have to do to fulfill this requirement? Is it, is, it, is it everybody or is it just, you know, my neighbor? That seems like just a, a few close people. I, I, I could probably do the neighbor or maybe the neighborhood. But who am I required to love? Jesus replied with a story in verse 30. And we've heard this, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. It says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by to the other side. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. When my wife was in Bible college, I didn't know she was going to be my wife and I didn't really know her then. I wasn't actually attending for that semester when she first came. But before, uh, but when she uh, was in between semesters, she went home for Christmas with her sister who was also attending the same school. And on their way back from Port to Portland, Oregon, from Calgary, there was a massive snowstorm that hit as they had just gotten through Cranbrook. They were heading towards the border. And by chance, they hit some really icy patches of road, went off the road and down an embankment where the, and made the car where it was undrivable. Now, here's what was neat in this story, because that part wasn't neat so far. If it was not for some kind people who saw what happened, stopped and helped them, it could have been a very serious situation. In fact, we found out later the storm went on for like three days. But here's what's really cool about the story. Not only did the couple that saw him go off the road stop and help them, but they housed them and fed them for a few days until it was safe for help to arrive. They went above and beyond. So in the story, this man asked, well, who, who's my neighbor? And the story that Jesus centers around is a, a man who is traveling here to Jericho, and on his way there, he's attacked by bandits and left for dead. And we have a priest come. <laughs> He's traveling along the road and he sees him there. And instead of helping him, he goes to the other side of the road. Kind of like when you see somebody at the mall or at a store and you don't want them to see you. You know how that is? Where you're like, if I go, they're going that way, I'm going to go this way. Nobody's, nobody here has ever done that. We're just, we're too full of love and compassion and Here's what, we, here's what happens in the story. If anyone 
should help somebody in need, would you not agree you'd think the priest would have made himself available? And we don't know what his reasons for not helping were, but if we could speculate, it might be this. Maybe, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe he was just too busy. You know, there's lots of responsibilities when you're a priest. Maybe he was the guy in the office who drew the short stick and that was his week where he had to travel to Jericho for business. He had to take care of all that stuff, but yet still waiting for him back in Jerusalem were all sorts of things that he still needed to do, like attending the temple fundraising gala that was going on. You know, there was a lot of cost to running the temple. They had to bring in resources, and so he knew he needed to get back to that. Or maybe it was the, the, the 20 cases, legal cases that he needed to preside over where people were waiting for him to get their, the, 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 his judgments rendered to them because priests back in those days were not, they just didn't pray. They actually, when people came to them, they decided legal cases. And that would have been a really, uh, you know, it took a lot of time and energy. Or it could have been that his son's bar mitzvah was coming up that weekend. You know, maybe in a few days, no, no, no time for a roadside bleeder. He had to get going. He had time to, things to do. Or maybe he thought he was, this was a job that was beneath him. He was too important, just lesser people. Somebody that's, that, that, that deals with common things. You know, he could have had a lot of thoughts. Or maybe it's because it was too messy. You know, he, he didn't want to get his garments dirty. Or worse yet, I mean, he was a priest. He didn't want to be unclean. But not soon after the priest leaves, a, a temple assistant or a Levi shows up. And not only does he see the man dying, but he goes up to him and then decides, wait a second, uh, I'm going to pass by on the other side of the road. Now, you, you, you would think if someone would have the compassion to help, it would have been, certainly been the temple priest. I mean, he was a brother in the faith, someone who was a ministry leader, worked in the church, and had a thriving small group. I mean, this guy, he, he, was a, he had a lot of stuff going on. Maybe he was too tired, probably worked a long day and was hungry and ready for some rest. And here is this man, man, he needed some serious help, and it would take time and if he took care of him, you know, if he were to take care of him, he would have missed the big game between the Galilean groupers and the Bethlehem sheep shears. I mean, he'd waited all week for this game. He didn't want to have to stop and do that. Or both of them were maybe where I find myself so many times, just too self-focused. Not my problem. Somebody else can do it. Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else can take care of that need. I just don't have time today. And we see here finally there is a Samaritan who comes by, and he not only does he see the man on the road, but he decides to help him. He decides to take care of him. You see, we have to understand what the context of this really was, why this is such an incredible story, because if you didn't know this before, Samaritans were people who were despised by the Jews. They were half-breeds. They were people that had had a parent that was Jewish and a parent, another parent that was a Gentile. And they were considered mixed race. And because of it, they 
were, they not only did the Jews not like them, see the Jews had some very strict laws about intermarriage and, 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 and because they were afraid of religious impurity coming into their system, and yet they took it the wrong way because the reality here was these were probably, most of the Samaritans were probably people that came from adulterous relationships that they'd had, but they were rejected. But the Gentiles didn't like him either because they had Jewish blood and the, the Jews were despised. Why? Because they were people that looked at themselves as highly superior. They were the rulers. They were the ones who nobody else could touch. And they would let you know if you wanted to hear that they were God's favored people and it created resentments. And so here you have these, the Samaritan and he sees a Jewish man lying on the road. And it would have been so easy for him just to go like, there it is, that's what you deserve. Those of you who had attacked my family, maybe hurt him, wounded him in his life. But what does he do? He gets off his donkey. And he stops. And he helps him. He makes a choice. He chooses to walk across the street and help another person in need. He chose to rise above his feelings, possible wounds, and decides to help his neighbor by caring for him. And the Bible says he was filled with compassion. Can I say this? I believe one of the things that we need in the world today, we need to come out of our lives is compassion. We've got to see things. What is compassion? Compassion is seeing somebody who's in a place of hurt or need and desiring to do something to alleviate that need. And so he places his need, his own need, there, that the, the um, Jewish person's needs above his own. And here's what he does. I, I want to say this. First of all, he gives what he has. In that moment, he cares for the man by providing oil, wine, and bandages for his wounds. I could spend a whole message just talking about what those represent. But here's what I want to focus on. Not only does he care for him, he, he, he does something very significant. He reaches in and he touches his wounds. He gets to where it's messy. You see, when you really love people, you will find messy. When you really love people, you will learn how to love messy. He gives what he has. You see, many times we think we need special skills or great resources to help people. Here's what I believe. We only need to give what God has already given to us. And every one of us has things that we can give. Kindness, encouragement, love, sometimes resources. You see, you only need to be you to make a difference. But here's what else he did. He accepted that there was a cost. To help the injured man, there was, was going to be a cost. He not only uses his wine, his oil, his bandages, but he also puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn and pays the bill. You see, he goes above and beyond just a little token like, hey man, I hope you're going to be okay. Here's a Kleenex I got to get going here. You see, even more than the resources, he gave him what is most precious. And here's, here's what none of us can get around if we're going to, to be people that impact people around us. He gave of his most precious resource, his time. 
You see, to reach people, to impact people's lives means there will be a cost to our comfort. Hey, who here has felt some challenges to your comfort over the last few years? Things haven't always been easy. To our schedule. How about this? To our perceptions and our prejudices. I think there's things that we got to let go of how we look at people and we look at one another. Sometimes to our, of our resources. You see, I believe there's many things we can learn from the good, the good Samaritan. We can learn about his heart. And as Jesus is sharing this story, as he's sharing this parable with, with the, this religious leader, but also to the people around him, he's given us this example that if we're going to love our neighbor, who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is everybody, including our enemies. And just let that sink in for a second. So how do we love our neighbor? How do we love the people that God surrounds us with every day? I think the first thing is we need to be people. We need to be ready. You see, the Samaritan did not know that morning when he got up that he had come across an injured man along the, the, the side of the road, but he was prepared if he did. And I believe this so many times we miss opportunities to help people because we're either not prepared or we're unaware that they're around us. Busyness and self-focus rob us of great opportunities to reach people. I believe busyness is one of the greatest challenges to the church today of, of having an impact with people all around us is that we, we're just busy and I know, I feel it. I'm, I've walked through it. I'm in the middle of it right now. My son just graduated and is looking to go to college in another country and it's just busy, it's full. There's things going on all the time, but yet there's so much going on around us and God is just saying, could we be ready? Would we be able to? Would we be, we, we be ready to help those who are in need around us? I believe this each day we should be asking God for divine appointments. Opportunities. God, who will you send into my path today? Make me aware. Give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to receive. Lord, help me to make a difference. And sometimes we think it's going to be this massively big thing, but sometimes maybe it's just even, hey, how's it going? Can I pray for you? First of all, he was ready, but I think the second part, and this is the most important, is we have to be willing. You see, he had a choice. Continue on his journey. Go take care of the things that he needed to take care of or he thought were important or stop and help. And he chose to walk across the road. Our sermon is, our series is, walk across the room. Sometimes we just have to stop and walk across the room. Maybe it's at our, the lunchroom. Maybe it's the bus stop. Maybe it's in the grocery store. Maybe it's just somebody in our house, our own family member that just needs us to stop. But to do so means we have to have a willing heart. To reach people starts with a willing heart. It starts with asking God to use you. And right here in this moment, if you're hearing things and the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want to encourage you. Would you just say in your own way, whether it's in a loud voice, a quiet voice, God, use me. 
use me. You have something to give inside of you because of the goodness and the graciousness of God. You have something the world around you needs, people around you needs. You are created for such a time as this. You are here in these moments. God's just saying, take your eyes off of yourself. Look outside of yourself. There's people that need what you have. I believe the key to experiencing life comes from loving people. And if we truly love people, we will want them to know and love Jesus like we do. But to do so means that we must love them the same way that we love ourselves. And most of us love ourselves more than anyone else, or we love to take care of ourselves better than anyone else. But I believe this, it's better to give than to receive. There's life in reaching people. There's life when we share our faith with others. There's life in seeing people changed and transformed. There's life when we allow God to use us. And I believe there's some of you that are here today. You're maybe even tired of coming to church. You're tired of just doing the same routines of life. You're bored. And God is saying, yes, it's time for a change. Begin the adventure that you can have each and every day by asking God to lead you to people who need what you have. It's as simple as walking across a room. And it starts with a willing heart. Maybe you're here today and you would be honest and say, you know what, I really don't like people right now. I'm frustrated, I'm hurt. You know what, I I found myself in the last few weeks as I (sighs) listened to the news, I did things and it's like, man, I really, I'm not supposed to hate, but I really hate what's going on. And I started realizing that that transferred into, man, I just really hate some people. And I said, God, you got to change my heart. You got to change my heart. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you just need God to change your heart. Maybe you just need some renewed courage, just the courage to step out in those moments Maybe you don't have all the words to say or the things to do, but just step out and just say, hey, how are you doing? Maybe you just need some boldness in your... Father, today I just pray. Lord Jesus, that this would be real. God, this is is not about a, a great perfect presentation. Lord, it kind of gets messy because people are messy because we are messy. Father, I pray for everybody here that you'd give them a willing heart to share your life, your love. May we be reminded of the life and the love, the forgiveness, all the good things you've done in our life. God, would you give us that focus and may it bubble out over us, Father God, and may we release 
God, the, the life that you have for us to people. Help us to quit overcomplicating things. sense God saying he wants to touch you so you can touch others some of you need God to just touch you touch your heart father would you just touch every heart would you just fill every heart God would you just release your presence here today and in in a deeper way I believe some of you God's even putting people into your mind's eye right now, people that are in your, that you're, are co-workers, fellow students, workout partners, store clerks that you see every day. Some of you, it's going to be random. It's just going to be, you, you just, you're, you're, there's an awareness. God, I pray that you'd release a new awareness around us of people that just need this. And I declare today, I declare over your life. If you are willing, if you have a willing heart, I declare a release of divine appointments. <laughs> it's going to be crazy, but it's going to be crazy good fun. God, I just say thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Do you receive this today? Do you receive this today? Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Again, I believe that life comes from giving our life to him. And if you're here today and you want to allow Jesus to take center place in your life, would you just pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, to free me. Help me to be like you. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I receive your free gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, let somebody know. If you're online, type, I prayed that prayer for Jesus today so that we can connect with you. But if you're here today, as we close our time, this time down, I want to invite you to, if you would like prayer for anything in your life, if you... want to just share with somebody that you made that decision to accept Jesus. Or maybe you need some healing in your body or you're dealing with um, just a a decision that's hard, something that's burdening you. We're going to open up the front here and there are going to be people that are available to pray with you and encourage you. Well, thank you today for being a part of this gathering. I want to encourage you. Go share the love of Jesus with everybody that you possibly can. And invite somebody to come with you next week. It'll be fun. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of your day.